Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Haley, what is catching your eye when it comes to business news this past week? Well, it's maybe sad news for some, but probably not the most surprising news. Sears Canada saying it plans on liquidating its remaining stores and assets. It still needs court approval on this one. We're recording on Tuesday, but it's not going forward with a potential bid that was on the table. We're going to see Sears Canada locations liquidate themselves over the coming months. Not surprising, I don't think. No, you know what? We've been hearing so much about it leading up to this, and we know that this year has really been kind of a bit of a bloodletting going on with regards to retail Canada, I think it's much more pronounced in the United States, but Canada has not been immune to this and we're seeing it hit Sears. And it's just, you can't appreciate that. I don't know, who's the comparable Sears company in Canada? The Bay, right? Yeah. And the Bay's actually, they've been expanding. They've been acquiring European department stores. So it's just interesting to see kind of this dichotomy between these two retail giants. And one's just, at this point, it's, it's floundering. Yeah, uh, Hudson's Bay, I think they've done a lot to really build their brand, and it certainly resonates internationally, as you were seeing with their expansion. But they've also invested in e-commerce, and I don't think Sears Canada has done the same thing. It's sort of fallen behind the times. They sought creditor protection back in June, but you know, a couple months is really not enough time to overhaul a business plan for uh frankly, a model that's quite expensive. They have massive locations throughout the company and probably more than they could bear the cost of. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to bring up something different, but why don't it, look, it, it makes sense if we're talking about retail right now, Walmart's trying to be competitive because uh, holiday shopping season, you can already tell it's getting into high gear at this point because no coincidence, Walmart's just announced that they want to take only 30 seconds for you to return an item that maybe you bought online. Hmm. It's kind of a pain in the butt right now, but at this point, they want you to be able to initiate it over your app. Then you just scan a code at this express line and then hand your item to an employee. Make it as simple as that. No coincidence happening as holidays are gearing gearing up. And we have Amazon now making their presence known with regards to the brick and mortar sort of retail presence they have ever since the acquisition of Whole Foods. You can go to Whole Foods and buy like Amazon technology at this point. So no wonder... Walmart really wants to be as competitive as possible when it comes to just online returns, which I know can be a big hassle for a lot, but pretty much for everybody. For a lot of people, generally speaking, I think that's been one of the biggest barriers to online shopping. For example, if you're buying clothes that don't necessarily fit, you buy something that might be expensive and it can take a long time to have to return it, actually driving to a physical location to return it too, which sometimes defeats the purpose. No surprise, I don't think that we're starting to see Amazon products in Whole Foods stores. That was only a matter of time and not a lot of time has passed since we've started to see that. You know, I think it was literally the first day after the acquisition was made official that Amazon is like, yeah, you're selling our products at this point. And they're like, okay, if it means cheaper avocados, I'm sure people can appreciate that. But Walmart, uh, they, they're really trying to be more innovative. You Look, 10, 20 years ago, I don't think you would have associated Walmart with being innovative, but they're even testing out different pilots about how you can get products delivered to your home. And even if you're not home, They'll be able to open your door and leave it on, like, say, your kitchen table because there's this company that they're partnering up with that does, like, smart locks and smart security systems. So they'll be able to gain access to your homes. They want to think outside of the box. I don't know if that particular idea is going to gain traction. Would would you 
agree to have delivery people wander through your house even if you're not home? I don't think so. I mean, when you're thinking about it, how much are you buying like a, you know, less than $100 worth of goods and you have someone coming in, just the risks I think are probably potentially more costly. However, if you had a box that was guarded in some way outside your home or a a shed or something like that, yeah, but a larger one. (laughs) Who uses mailboxes anymore? Bring them back. There you go. Talking about innovation for mailboxes. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. At 604-714-3600. Or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. What else is catching your eyes uh, when it comes to business news, Haley? Well, we've spoken before about how well Canada's economy has fared over the last couple of years and how well it's been doing this year. We know it's leading the G7 or at least is on track to lead the G7 in terms of growth. And according to the International Monetary Fund, we're going to lead the group this year as well as next year. And it's actually revising Canada's growth forecasts upward poised to grow by 3.6% this year and 3.7% in 2018, largely attributed to trade, investment, and consumer confidence, which I think if you look at to some other developed countries around the world, maybe not the greatest amount of consumer confidence or confidence generally. There's a lot of instability still if we look south of the border or even to Europe when we're comparing growth and confidence in countries. Well, I'm find the most surprising thing is if you look at the next closest country on this list of the IMF had just released, I believe it's the United States, at, and they're projecting 2.2% growth. Yeah. That's a huge gap between number one and number two. It is. Yeah. 2.2% in the US next year and 2.3%. Yeah. I, I, I also, in a good spot. I also get the sense that maybe economists here in Canada are being a little more cautious with those kinds of estimates. I I don't know if they're as enthusiastic about the growth prospects. Certainly from what you hear from the Bank of Canada, you know, I I don't think we're getting any rate cuts or I should say rate hikes uh, for the remainder of 2017. I I think the federal government is also prepared for less growth, not more growth in 2018. So uh, that did take me a little bit by surprise that the IMF would have uh, stronger projections for 2018 than they did for 2017. Especially since we also heard from the IMF too, cautioning that, you know, Canada's economy previously, they've said this, might not be in the most stable place if you're looking at what real estate has done for Canada's growth. But in in this report, it looks like it's a little bit more balanced. It's not just being pushed upward due to real estate or housing in areas like Vancouver, Toronto. It's a little bit more broadly based. And part of that may be other countries turning to Canada and seeing Canada as a bit of a safe, more reliable bet in the years to come. Yeah. Well, Lastly, for me, it's worth noting that one Justin Trudeau is going to be meeting with U.S. President Donald Trump this week. This, of course, coincides with the kickoff of the fourth round of negotiations for NAFTA. I have to believe that Trudeau and Trump will be discussing the Bombardier uh, tariffs uh, almost at 300% at this point. We also have BC, I think, coming into the picture a little, little bit more We also have concerns over softwood lumber as well as wine sales, BC wine sales on grocery store shelves. And that uh, I think a lot of Americans are a little bit uh, disturbed by the fact that BC wine is giving priority 
versus foreign wines when it comes to grocery store shelves in particular. Lots to unpack with regards to what's going to be happening with uh, Trudeau's meetings, uh, not just in the United States, but he's going to Mexico City after this Washington, D.C. trip as well. So a lot going on with our North American trading partners. Yeah, and we are now, I guess, after this meeting concludes, over the hump, so to speak, round four of seven. A lot of concern that we're not going to see anything finalized by the end of the year. I, I think that's probably safe to say. You never know, I guess, but it seems like there's so many issues that have yet to properly be dealt with, and you listed off a bunch of them. All countries seem to be sort of far apart, especially Canada and the U.S. when it comes to those issues. You could add in dairy would be another one. What, one of the things that you know, people are saying, though, is that maybe within the Trump cabinet itself, there's not a lot of consensus about what they really want to focus on when it comes to NAFTA renegotiations, which is why we haven't necessarily, look, we haven't necessarily gotten much done yet at this point, or we haven't seen much come out of it. But I, I also have to believe that if there's not laser direction on what's going on, that's going to impact just the rate of things. And I think there's just a lot, it is very ambitious of them to want to do it at the speed at which this is aimed to be. Absolutely. Considering too, we still have, as you mentioned, the softwood lumber agreement expired. It's been quite some time now, and that's a totally separate negotiation. I, I think it's easy to come out and say on the part of the US, okay, look, we want to change supply management when it comes to dairy. We want tariffs on softwood lumber, attacking all these industries. But you have to think at a certain point, Canada may be willing to concede on certain things, but not on everything. So it's tough to sort of roll that back after you've made very bold demands on almost anything you can imagine. Yeah. I don't know where that leaves room for negotiating. Well, we'll keep following this for sure. This podcast was brought to you by Manning LA Accountants and Business Advisors. And Haley, if anybody wants to find you on social media, what's the best way to do this? So they can check me out at on Twitter and Instagram at Haley Wooden, H A Y L E Y W O O D I N. You could find me at Reporton, that's R E P O R T O N. And you can also read my stories as well as Haley's stories at EIV.com. For now, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. 